You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. We're honored to have our guest today, Saman, is with us. Thank you so much for being here, Saman, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Man. We haven't seen each other in far too long. This happy. is the first time I've seen him in 2017. we got to do a Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, my God. Donald Trump, uh, he's president, right? Yeah, last time I saw you guys was Obama, and a lot of things have happened since yesterday. So Yes, a lot of things have changed. And now, apparently, obviously, uh, Michael Flynn, he was gone as National Security Advisor on, a, on the fact that he was colluding with the Russians during a uh, campaign, which is unbelievable to think about. I think this is the largest story of our lifetime when it comes to an executive-level scandal, uh, a, a, a scandal at the executive branch. They colluded with a foreign government, and not just any foreign government, the Ruskies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. And not only the Ruskies, but their intelligence services. Yes. Um, so I think so now uh, Flynn's gone hardward. He said no to the position because he couldn't hire his own staff. And I think he's he called it a, quote, shit sandwich. Yes. And that's never good when the person you're hiring or want to hire for a job. He really said that. It. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was accurate. Petraeus was then off the table. Uh, Kellogg, who is the current placeholder, is now actually gone. And there's a new guy in there. Who did they put in some on? McMaster. And what's McMaster's story? He's a uh, military guy. He's actually he's an active military guy right now in the army. He's a tank guy. He's uh, I've had friends who've, who've worked with him. He's yeah. a very smart dude. Uh, he's written books, and oh. he's considered to be one of the smartest uh, military guys that we have. So Brandy, you're happy with this choice overall? Yeah, I mean, Harward was even better, but uh, right. Flynn was definitely a disaster. And there, and there was a reason why he was removed during the Obama administration. The guy was very incompetent. Right. 2014, Obama fired him, and now obviously the second yeah. president like, in the Flynn row. was a good guy from what I hear, like... like he can show you how to kill a man with a spoon. <laughs> and like he Well that is good for national security. He's gotten his hands dirty, but like he he, he can't manage a and a huge organization like NSA like that. Were you surprised that they gave him that much power? Uh absolutely. I and I was actually f- uh, afraid that this guy's going to be doing some stupid stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is a very important agency. You can't have some dude with a, you know, um with a paranoid, you know, shaky 
finger on the trigger. This guy wasn't a rational person. He wasn't competent. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that have worked with him considered him an incompetent person. They were worried about working with him. Right. So that was a good thing that he got removed. Well, and of course, Flynn was one of these guys. He's propagating this notion that Islam is not a religion. It's a, it's a political ideology. Therefore, the religious test and religious uh, you know, violations against people's religions are out the window because if you disqualify it as a religion and treat it like a political philosophy, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a former special forces dude, and he he still thinks like that. Like yeah. he look he he looks for a fight to pick. Well, now I know you're not a Muslim or a practicing Muslim, but uh, people in this country they're they just think you're a Muslim because your name is Saman and uh, you're you're slightly <laughs> less white than I am. Right? Uh, how has your life changed under uh, uh, President Trump? I mean, obviously we saw the rollout of the travel ban, uh, which now they're going to be reinstating. They're rewriting it to make it constitutional, or at least as they deem it to be constitutional. How has your life personally changed uh, under Donald Trump? Because we we forget how these freedoms and these and these um, and obviously again you know Obama deported so many people and his foreign policy was atrocious and he killed many many Muslims um, but uh, the rhetoric was different and the tone of the country was different so how how are you experiencing life now under President Donald Trump? Mine really um, I wasn't I wasn't really impacted by it but um, truthfully like. As a kid, when I moved to the States, I didn't fear this much of a difference between me and another person. Even though I, I live in New York, it's a different thing. But yeah. when you hear this guy like talk about um, Muslims and banning Muslims and how f- f- scary they are and how horrible they are, you got to be worried about them. For a second, even me as a non-Muslim, kind of like atheist Shia Muslim, mm-hmm. I, I considered myself a Muslim. And I found myself like having to defend for something, for a religion that I don't even really believe in. And, right. I, I, and firsthand, I saw a lot of people uh, being impacted by it who were very worried about their family, relatives, you know, uh, almost first generation kids that have parents that go back and forth with a green card. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were crying. They were like, you know, I may never see my parents again. So I, the way he... Uh, he went after it with Bannon's plan was just really bad. It was like making you a third class citizen of this country by just looking different or having a weird name like that. And for the first time, I felt like, okay, maybe there's a difference between how the government is going to treat me from now on than they had been in the past. Right. And have you felt any of that change yet? Or is it just more of the uh, their perception? Uh, I haven't, but I, I know a lot of people around me because I, I don't practice the religion. I, don't, right. I hate all religions. Yeah. And Islam is probably one of the ones that, you know, I don't believe in either. And uh, But I, 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 I've seen it firsthand that has bothered a lot of people and it's impacted their lives. Well, it, now that is interesting, though, because you're not a religious person and I think you have disdain for religion. And I completely understand, uh, you know, that sentiment. It is, it is is it strange for you to find yourself in a position where you have to defend a religion that isn't even a, an ideology that you prescribe to is it strange to you that you find yourself totally having to do that in America yeah because I've spent a lot of, of my time <laughs> my living uh, time telling people how horrible religion is right. how it brings about violence it's a, it's very oppressive towards women and children and now I, I I'm on the other side now I have to kind of like Defended because at the end of the day, people still should have a choice. You shouldn't prosecute them based on what they want to believe in, even if it's an right. imaginary god or whatever. So this guy's made it very difficult. Like I'm, I'm one of the most anti-hijab people you'll ever see. Because no matter how, like even the liberal media spins it, mm-hmm. it's just a form of, of a man-made oppression to, to you know, 
make women believe that this thing makes them a better person mm. uh, it makes them more modest or whatever it's bullshit but now it's like you know now i have to like hold the person's hand be like no it's okay don't cry keep wearing your hijab we'll right. fight for your hijab you know mm. you can wear it forever so well, it's like it's different it's a different time it's criticizing religion and and trying to reform uh, certain religions like islam which really badly needs it has become difficult because this guy's feeding into uh, the anti islamic mm -hmm. kind of christian side of it which is even worse well is that what bothers you more but yeah the operative word of course man-made when it comes to the oppression that the hijab i think uh you know definitely uh projects uh when it comes to being a woman i don't i don't think the hijab is an extremely liberating uh you know practice no, it's horrible a lot of um, countries in the middle east uh, are fighting against it because compl compulsory hijab is in Saudi Arabia and Iran, many of these oppressive countries that, where women are secondhand citizens. They're not even, you know, they can't even drive in some of these countries. And hijab is a significant part of that. But in the West, we see it differently mm -hmm. because um, even though they have the choice of wearing it, the rhetoric that comes out of these white nationalist Christians is so anti Islamic that mm -hmm. hijab's almost becoming a flag in the middle of all this thing. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you feel about that? You know, it's like being someone who is anti uh, religious or somebody who doesn't believe in religion and doesn't believe in these like how does it feel to have to defend that type of stuff because that's one of the things that I'm kind of struggling with a little bit myself because you know this like religion you know is a lot of times kind of a negative thing and mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people are struggling with right, right now is that they believe that it a lot of times religion can be a negative thing but now we're finding ourselves having to fight for a religion sure look religion's a negative thing anyway it, like the more we're evolving the less people believe in their religion even like the catholics aren't the same catholics any, anymore uh they all have premarital sex they do drugs they birth drink control, whatever yeah. birth control so it's it it has evolved it's changed into something else like judaism was one of the most in the first most insane religion we've ever had and every, every ever since we've copied that same thing modeled it for christianity and islam but they all they have all evolved and islam is the last one out of all these three it's only 1400 years old and it's going through its not infancy, but teenage years, the mm -hmm. rebellion phase, which mm -hmm. hasn't evolved yet. And it should, absolutely should. And it's up to other Muslims or former Muslims to help it reform. The last thing we want to do is have some Christian, Nazi, fascist pighead telling another religion to, to you know, uh, that I'm more superior than uh, to your religion than this and that. It's like, as it, anytime you get... Uh, you pit other religions against each other. That's a problem because right. then, then there's no common sense into even talking about it. Well, they, I mean, yeah, you kind of use the word teenage years, and I think that's kind of appropriate here. I mean, the more that you tell someone to not do something, the more they're going to want to do it. Right. That's what's been going on in Turkey. Turkey, Turkey's becoming more and more Islamic. Uh, their government has become Islamic. People are wearing the hijab more often than they did years ago. Hmm. It's because uh, Tur Turkish government and, you know, from World War One with Ataturk, uh, the end of the caliphate back in the day, uh, there was an extreme reformization of, of uh, the religion and uh, Islamic laws in, within the system that now it's becoming a rebellion, a rebellious kind of act of putting the hijab on and becoming 
a, a better Muslim. Sort of an unintended consequence of the Trump presidency. And let's talk about Iran and the Middle East. I want to talk about the seven nations involved in the travel ban, get your perspective on that. I also want to clarify, you know, if you are a religious person, that is fine. The religion has helped many people, method yeah, addicted or whatever not, it might no, no, be. No, no. Not and, say, I'm not saying that all religions no. or anything. No, no, great. But it, it, it can be negative. It's it's it can be negative. It's Absolutely. A per, it's I totally a, it's agree. A, Personal thing, I like. Yes, it, it's personal. You can yeah. believe in a in a in an apple, mm-hmm. right? For all I care, but when you start for like you know, I'm telling well, people, it's because I think it's because obviously they've chosen a, a religion to target and alienate and vilify, and then of course they embrace uh, you know mo- a modern uh, American Christianity, which is uh, the tenets of Christianity have been muddled through uh, you know a capitalist lens for a lens mm-hmm. for a very long time, and the fact that Donald Trump, a man who brags about sexual assault and uh, is the He's epitome of greed is somehow now representing the religious right is Trump beyond. isn't even religious. He's never no, been religious. No, he's, he's not. He's never been anti-abortion. No. He's just feeding he's into many his of base. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's go on. Obviously, the Iran deal, Donald Trump has promised to rip it up. Uh, we have more okay. of a hawkish uh, uh, you know, defense secretary now in, in Mad Dog Matters. I, uh, Mattis, I really don't believe that Trump would have picked him if his nickname wasn't Mad Dog. I think he just <laughs> loves to say Mad Dog over and over and over again. It's, it's possible. Yes. Um, the guy could literally look like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He'd be like, Mad Dog. Wow, I love Mad Dog. Um, yeah, he's, it's Rex like a reality Tillerson. show, man. The whole thing is like... It is a reality show, yeah. right? Rex Tillerson, obviously, ExxonMobil, uh, former CEO there. You know, he promised to get the lobbyists out of uh, his cabinet. He just put the lobbyists in, so there is no need for a political middleman any longer. EPA. Uh, the EPA, of course. When it comes to Iran, uh, his foreign policy regarding that nation, obviously, you have specific expertise. What are they feeling right now? Do they have any... Um, I mean, what are, what are they thinking about the the uh, the destabilizing force that Donald Trump's presidency has been? Uh, actually, the combination of Mattis and Flynn was pretty scary for a while because these guys, both of them, have been their number one issue in the world is Iran, and they've mm-hmm. always talked about like uh, how Iran's the biggest threat in the world. Da 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 da. So it seemed like okay, with these two guys around him, uh, we're definitely going to go closer to war. But Mattis, he's a more level-headed guy, and I think now that he's in charge, he realizes that you know, now it's a different time, and I don't think he's going to do anything stupid. Uh, where Flynn would definitely do it. Uh, as far as the Iran deal, you can't get rid of it because it's not a uh, it's a multilateral, very complicated deal that they they put together. With. But he said he was going to rip it up with his little hands. No, he, he can't just rip it up. It's not like it's not a piece of paper. No, it's not. It's hmm. not going to work. There's no way. Well, he, I was told he was going to rip it up. Mark, didn't you hear that, Marcus? Yeah, it's like teeny tiny little hands. Rip it up all day long. <laughs> oh, man. Not that's what it, oh. yeah, it's so, not going to happen. It's very complicated. Right. And, and even if uh, he did something stupid and pulled out of it by himself. like With an just, executive order? Yeah. With the, yeah, it would just isolate the United States and all the money and all the businesses that's involved right now would just go to uh, China, Russia, France, and England, and Germany. So it, it would just be bad for the U.S., that's all. Well, what is the, what's the world like uh, over there, obviously, with the seven nations that were involved in the travel ban? They represent around 15% of the Muslims around the globe. Uh, there seems to be a target on the Middle East so once stupid. again. It's just stupid. First of all, if, if, if he had put this ban before 9-11 on those seven countries— Every single terrorist attack that's happened since 9-11, mm-hmm. including 9-11, would have happened anyway. Because right. none of those seven countries had anything to do with any terrorist attack that's ever happened in this country at all. 
Nothing. None well, of it. What, they're all Saudis, Lebanese, yeah. and Egyptians, well, and what Pakistanis. Is, so, I mean, there has to be some rationale for these things, right? I mean, obviously the seven nations uh, that were proposed were similar to ones uh, that the Obama administration had investigated and thought about banning from. What is the? What do you think the rationale is with those seven countries? Why would they choose them? Because to your point, uh, no terrorist has come from one of them. I'll tell you their, uh, the Trump administration's rationale. Uh, first, he doesn't have any business in any of these seven countries. Ah, that's one. That's a good point. Second, uh, the excuse is that the, we don't have, uh, we don't cooperate on intelligence with these seven countries. Mm. They're host- hostile to- towards the United States, and we don't share information the way we share these intelligent. Uh, uh, with like the Saudis or with the Saudis, with the Pakistanis, and we don't. However, that's somewhat wrong because first of all Somalia and these countries they're not even real countries right now like really literally it's like a block if they can hold that together right with Iran it's even more complicated because we have a lot of common interests with Iran in Afghanistan and in Syria and in Iraq well let's because go into- our common enemies yeah. are ISIS okay so even if we're not sharing uh, intelligence on like border issues and things like mm-hmm. that uh, we do need them to fight ISIS and the extreme vetting that Obama put together a long time ago was already filtering all that anyway so it's never been an issue it's very difficult it's very difficult to get to this country it takes like years of vetting to get here and then, of course, that was the issue with the flippancy of them signing the executive order with the travel ban, not uh, making room for green card holders and people who literally just left the country on vacation. I'll tell you who what's wrong with who that. Who came back and they were told they could. I'll tell you exactly what he, what Trump did and what Obama did uh, about two years ago are not that different, except one thing: Obama did it covertly without labeling it and without mentioning the exact names like that and and calling it a Muslim ban, Mm -hmm. where this guy, Bannon, he's a media guy. These guys are Twitter people, social media. They did it overtly to get all the likes and the retweets and and get a little hoorah from the base. So, and therefore also not really from the government. They don't understand how this works. I can't tell you how many executive orders he's signed where the next- I believe he's at 12 uh, at this point. And whatever organization or all organizations it, it actually affected the next day all their lawyers were trying to figure out what the hell these guys are writing right usually this is done with their help it's coordinated so when when it's sent out everyone all the agencies know exactly what to do these guys just wrote some shit up over the night next day not even none a single airport knew what's going on right. nobody knows what's up and it affected a lot of people inclu- including uh, people who were awaiting visas and were holding green cards so how did that play internationally it was a debacle because we had hundreds of thousands of people Displaced, uh, waiting in uh, waiting rooms around the world in airports. Right, and it sent paranoia throughout the country because it sounded like some serious Hitler shit going down. Yeah, do you think that he understands the international um, ramifications of him swiping a pen on a pad of paper to make an executive order no. uh, come into existence? Well, it's not that he doesn't understand; it's that he doesn't care. Does but does he not? Get, He's I mean, not we, we smart don't, enough to think no. about these. All things. he yeah. care all he cares about is if people like him or not. I know, but the people right. are not liking him right yeah. now. His approval well, well, rating is anywhere from 37% to 45%, and this is a month in. He should Usually we give him a grace period. Yeah, I think uh, the, I did see a, a table today of how long it took other presidents to go below the 50% uh, mark. Yeah. Most of them, it was well over a year. Well yeah. over a year. Some of them, it was two or three years. Oh, I mean, Trump fatigue is immediately a was a disaster. We had, yeah. We've had protests almost every single day, and there's always been, they're lying about something almost every day. Right. The media is just confused as fuck to well, what's going on. You know, it's interesting you mentioned media. Obviously, Bannon, uh, the, the the head of Breitbart, which is apparently real news. 
which I did not know. Breitbart. Everything else is fake news, Have you but read Breitbart's that real news. Do you ever check their, um, their site? Yeah, of course. It's of course. frightening. Uh, Andrew Breitbart, I know some people who knew him very well. I do not believe he would be happy with the site, and I think they totally bastardized the Breitbart name. But uh, that's a whole other story. Milo, by the way, will not be speaking the keynote speaker at CPAC because he's against women, he's against trans, but he's pro-pedophile. Pro-pedophile. So that's where the, that was the one that stuck. That was the line. The that was the line for them. He, he's also I don't want to gay, talk about him. and, and um, his partner's black. And yeah. he's also his for, his ex was black Muslim. Oh, he's Teflon. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, whatever. We don't want to give him any uh, airtime here. But um, when it comes to listening to Donald Trump's rhetoric regarding the media, fake news, everything is a lies about me. As someone who is a Middle East scholar, does it remind you of the Ayatollah? It's exact. It's 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 exactly. Look, when facts are no longer the issue, reality, and we call them fake news yeah. and facts don't matter that's like the beginning of fascism now yeah, give, of, give our listeners that that may not uh, have listened for a long time give them a little bit of your background well uh, born in iran and then we had the revolution then the dictatorship came so i left as a kid but uh, then i became a, a journalist i traveled throughout all these countries in the middle east during the war and all that so i've spent a lot of time in in countries that are ruled by really horrible what, dictators. what countries uh, I, I was in Lebanon, Af- Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, uh, a couple of more. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, they're all these are tyrants and, and right. their their biggest enemy is the news. And they're constantly fighting the news. That's why they're trying to jam the satellites. They filter the Internet because they don't want real news from outside to get in these countries. Mm-hmm. They try to totally block it. News to them is the number one enemy. But even before that, if you go back, look back in history, that's how even like people like Hitler and Stalin started. They, they, you know, they they close down the media so they can control the masses with their fake news, and that's the begin. And it sounds weird. Like a lot of people are listening right now, saying, "Oh, that would never happen to United States." Right. And it may not, but a lot of people didn't think it would happen in Germany back in the day. Or no in one Iran. believed Hitler would ever rise to power. They, every right. every time he won, they're like, "Oh, he got lucky. It's not going to happen for the next round." It's sort of like what we're dealing with Trump right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny we we talk about religion. There was just a person, uh, Donald Trump. He he gave a a uh, campaign speech uh, in Palm Beach, Florida. It was paid for by the campaign for his 2020 re-election run. If, uh, they think they're very uh, optimistic, uh, mm-hmm. thinking that he's going to get there because I think this Russian scandal is possibly impeachable. Um, whether that, and then we could, we could see President Paul Ryan in, uh, in two months, for all we know, uh, at this point. impeachable, but we can talk about that actually later. Yeah, yeah let's talk about that. Um, when it comes to religion, there was a, a person that Donald Trump brought on stage, and he said that he has a six-foot uh, cardboard cutout of Donald Trump, and he prays to it every single day. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, oh, you know, well, you North say Korean. Prays to it. He said he salutes it. He salutes he and salutes prays for Donald day. Trump's yeah. health. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. What's but the I, first thing I, you see if you go to a dictator country? Exactly. You see statues. Right. You see posters, Banners. and you see you see uh, people worshiping these these statues and these. Posters. Well, that's what was so interesting. We watched a lot of your raw footage from uh, when you were filming in Afghanistan when women got the right to vote. He was there. I mean, it was fascinating. The signs are all the politicians. The, the billboards, it's all politicians. They're just right. everywhere. Um, they are just they're constantly occupying the mind of their constituents. Now, uh, are you seeing when it comes to Donald Trump? Obviously, we like to think that we have enough rules in place that would deter someone from rising uh, to dictator status are you seeing any slippery slopes other than the media and things like that living through the iran revolution is there a comparison there um not as extreme because that happened so quickly and it was so overnight and it was a violent uprising it was mm. a 
you know, it was a revolution. We haven't had a revolution here. Uh, so it's not that bad. But there are a lot of red flags. Like, for example, when he tweeted that I'm going to send the feds to Chicago, yeah. that's that's frightening. And that nut job, uh, Stephen, Just, Stephen Miller. Stephen yeah. Miller, Jeff Sessions' said, number one guy. <laughs> when yeah. he said the, the president has the ultimate whatever power and he can do whatever and should not be questioned. Excuse me. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Uh, that That's a no-no. And his attack on the media is a huge problem. And the whole thing about Russia is just, it's this should, This is the biggest scandal we've ever had. Yes. This, uh, To be honest with you, the world has not seen this much instability, and I'm a pretty optimistic guy, since World War II. Mm. We've never had this much chaos at, on a global level, because whatever this guy does, it'll, it'll impact not just... United States, but mm -hmm. the rest of the world tomorrow. Well, let's talk a little bit about Russia. Obviously, I think Obama's foreign policy allowed the Russians to control, control the uh, the theater, the, the yep. theater of war in Syria. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of forced us to rely on the Russians uh, in a way that we hadn't previously wanted to rely on the Russians because they're they're a, an adversary for very good reasons. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the Irans and the Russians are helping all of us fight ISIS. What is this new world alignment? What's this new arrangement? Uh, and do you think it is, is, is it possible that it could stabilize or will it just continue to sort of spin out of control the way it is now? Uh, a lot of people think Obama was a great president. Well, he's ranked 12th right now in a, in a poll, which is pretty good considering he's just out of office. Mm -hmm. I mean, W is in, in the top 20. I mean, I thought he was about the worst we could get. Obama was an okay president, but he was definitely not a good president. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of wonderful things here in the country, but as far as our foreign policy and our power went around the world, he totally destroyed it. And he allowed. In what ways? How did he do that? He he was extremely look. He's a good guy, and he thought if I'm if I'm going to be a good guy, then I'll be an example to the other people, and they're all going to be good people. Right. Like Putin's going to you know be a decent human being. Let's hit the restart button with Putin. It's bullshit. This guy's a former KGB nut. He just he's he's still whacking people off the streets yeah. of Moscow. <laughs> yep. He's the last and and he's he's if we're Coke, they're Pepsi. There's never going to be a good friendship here. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work out. Trump probably thinks he can control the market with this guy, but at the at, at we shouldn't even be talking about that because the United States had taken us to a point where the Russians were not important anymore. No one cared about them anymore. It wasn't about controlling the market. Obama was so passive over Middle East, the red line thing over Syria, mm -hmm. which he ignored, and allowing just, annexing Crimea and Ukraine expansion. He exactly he took over Crimea. They tapped us. He knew about it. He put some bullshit sanctions on at last minute. Uh, he was extremely passive on them. And Putin is back in business. He rose, you know, he's he did what he he came to power to do the whole time, and that's to rise Russia back to where it was again. And we're worried about him. Yeah. Now. Well, I think it, what really hurt Hillary in the primary was no doubt the the DNC leaks, right? Where yeah. where it proved that they were colluding with the Hillary campaign in order to make sure that Bernie Sanders loses the superdelegates. All this nightmare is a massive story. Compare that now to General Flynn or uh, Manafort, who was in charge of Donald Trump's campaign for a, a couple of uh, you know strong months um, during the beginning, was also speaking with the Russians, possibly. Well, compare the two. I mean, Manafort, I mean... It, Paul Manafort. Yeah, pa Paul Manafort, you know, and, and speaking to that, Paul Manafort, I thought it was very interesting uh, in a recent interview, he said that I had never knowingly talked to right. a Russian agent. And that word, uh. knowingly, is very... I mean, that's a cover your 
ass type of situation. I hate that skirting around. You yeah, know, it's just knowingly you're, you're, because it, uh, it it gives him a little bit of deniability, which right. tells me that in his mind right. it is very much a possibility that right. he talked to an, a Russian agent. This is all lawyer talk. This is talking so later if something comes back and hits you, you're like, well, I didn't know about it. Plausible exactly. deniability. Yeah. All right, that right. Yeah. So and that's that's what's scaring me, and everyone should be afraid of because that's how Trump is now it speaks about Flynn and everything else. Do we have a Russian puppet in the White House right now? We definitely have the best thing that the Russians could have asked for to ha- uh, to be in the White House right now. I don't know how much they definitely had an influence in it. I don't know how much they sw- they changed things around and made it happen, but they definitely got what they wanted and they they were active in making it happen. Now, what is their end game? Like what what is Russia looking for here because mm. you know, I, I think you know a lot of, I think right now we're getting a lot of uh, anti-Russian hysteria, but no one is actually talking about what Russia wants. What does Russia want out of all this? The first thing is to question our credibility as a democracy mm. and that's happened and trump does it constantly when he says well there were 60 40 million fraud voters yep. in in massachusetts and arizona voting by buses and stuff that's yeah the, he's legitimately uh, said three million illegal voters it's impossible to get people out to vote in the first place <laughs> let alone three million right. illegal ones yeah. if if it was that easy he wouldn't even be in the in the in the white house because someone else would have won and we had the lowest voter turnout in 20 years i believe it was 57.9 percent of the population voted i mean these are pathetic numbers to your point that our democracy, I mean the republic really, but uh, the democracy might not necessarily be as strong as people thought. Yeah, it, the point was to undermine our democracy mm. and put put everything in chaos. And that's what, let's, look, look what's going on. <laughs> We're acting like a developing country. Like we don't mm. know what the hell is going on. We mm. don't have control of anything. And he got what he wanted with NATO. NATO's all confused. I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, we're, we're talking about like, ah, forget about it. We're picking fight with China, with mm-hmm. Mexico, and we're letting NATO go on its own. Uh, so it's well, like we're, 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 Putin wanted just chaos and a weaker country, and that's what we are today. And when you discuss NATO, I would assume you're referencing the fact that Donald Trump has said that he doesn't necessarily, uh, an attack on a NATO nation isn't necessarily an attack on the United States. Well, he actually it said, a I, would, I wouldn't war. mind if we dissolved it. Right. Mm-hmm. So what is Russia looking at? Like, so why do they want to destabilize our country? Like, why do they want to destabilize our democracy? We're, th- we're like, th- 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 even though it's not the Cold War anymore, it's sort of coming back. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the different, different ideologies that's always existed. It's the Russian imperialism sort of thing o- over the Baltics, around the world, their influence and their type of business doing and uh, militarism. And there's ours. Theirs is very anti-democratic. Ours is very democratic. So we're we're always at odds when it comes to that. And and we have bases around the world. We have the strongest economy in the world. We have the best military in the world. And to Russia, that's all a threat. That's all something that they need to destabilize and and make weaker and make a joke out of it. And they've done a very good job doing that so far in the last 16 years. Really, oh, absolutely. With Obama and and with a leader like Donald Trump, who is now, as we talked about in the last episode, the two-state solution for Israel. He wants he he's like, what well, maybe we can try that, uh, but that's not the only way. But if you could ease on the settlements, ease back on the settlements, that'd be great. And now he is also against uh, you know Taiwan and uh, and China uh, coexisting for the most part because he had an interview with the with the uh, with the leaders of those nations and he changed his mind. Do you think when he actually speaks with Putin, the the only not recorded <laughs> conversation that he has had in office so far which is extremely suspicious. What do you think those conversations are like? Honestly, I don't I don't know because this guy you can't really 
uh, like he says something different than his own people are saying. Like right. Mattis yesterday, NATO, he gave a whole different talk about how United States behind NATO the whole time. So what he says and how people around him are behaving, including his own vice president, are two different things. And I don't honestly, I can't see him talking to Putin like a mature adult, right? To even think what he would say or we're not, or what that press conference is going to sound like afterwards. So let's just say he has four years. Let's say he makes the the full four. He's not impeached. What do you think the Middle East looks like after a Trump presidency regarding his relationship with the Russians, Iran, ISIS, Syria? What happens in Iraq? Where, where, where do you see the world going? Well, first of all, Middle East has been a shit basket for 1,400 years. So it, it, it didn't all happen with George Bush. It's always been a mess. Uh, and it's always been stirred up by the Europeans, by the Westerners to make it right. worse all the time especially after World War One, So I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. But one thing I do know is our national security is uh, more insecure today because of the things Trump's doing in the Middle East than it was yesterday. For example, we need to work with these countries. Iraq, Iran, these countries that he just put on the Muslim ban, these are countries that we need to work with. For example, Iraq. You know how many informants we have in that country? You know how many people we have that we pay and we rely on their information to fight ISIS and other terrorism terrorists? Mm -hmm. Now, if you put them on shit list after having destroyed their country and reduced it to rubble, mm -hmm. that's the worst thing you can do because they're going to turn their back on you and they're gonna, you're, you're, you're turning them into the biggest ISIS recruiting camps ever. When these guys that we trust and we need to work with to make these countries safer in order for us to be safer here when you when you put them on shit list then it's making it worse for us here in the states so he doesn't understand what he's doing with with as far as middle east goes and this is basically the repeated history of middle east and the uh, meddling of the west in it well of course we had the afghanistan war which is a proxy war between the russians and the united states uh where we were fighting the russians but now it seems do you think that trump is just going to let russia have it just let them have the entire region mm. I I don't know. I don't know what to tell you because I'm not sure who's got the region right now. The only people that are doing a better job right now are the Iranians and the Russians working together and stabilizing the region, but to their own benefit mm -hmm. and making it a bigger uh, Iranian-controlled kind of environment. Right now, Iran pretty much owns every, can just drive trucks of missiles from all the way from Afghanistan to Iran to Iraq to Syria to Lebanon right down to Israel. And we gave Iran this power by destroying uh, Iraq and not having a real plan for it. Mm -hmm. Iranians took over. Assad was always an Iranian-owned nation, but uh, the instability and everything uh, and the success that they had with the help of the Russians to get it back in control has made it more of a friendly country towards Iran and Russia and needs them. So we, we've we only done worse things that's not in our interest. Mm -hmm. And that, that happened during the Bush administration by going into a stupid war, and it happened during the Obama administri administration by pulling out without having any plan about it. What do you think about the North Koreans' role in all of this? I mean, they tested their solid fuel missile. It barely got off the ground. It was like it was, it was quite pathetic, um, but it did go some miles. And obviously we have roughly 128,000 servicemen and women that could be hit by a bomb like that, uh, by a missile like that. They got the ICBM usually uh, 
a sea uh, launch, but they were able to launch it off of land. So mildly impressive, uh, I suppose. Uh, it's no SpaceX. To, you know, Elon Musk would not be proud of the, uh, of the <laughs> event. But um, what's their role now as far as like China with with Trump stoking the, the you know, the the uh, the China sort of paranoia in the country regarding currency manipulation and those sorts of things? North Korea seems to have a little bit more of a cavalier spirit. North Korea has always been a problem. Uh especially for our allies, South Korea and Japan in, in that area. And it should have always been played by the Obama administration, especially as a, as a bargaining chip with the Chinese. And Obama should have gotten a better deal out of it. Well, how do you use them as a bargaining chip? I mean, this very bizarre rogue nation. By the way, Kim Jong-un, his brother, we know he was uh, was assassinated. And the two girls swear to God they thought it was a reality show prank yeah. because they had actually been given money. Uh, and they did the act three times with water. Yeah. yeah. And I can totally see this being a crush, a killer show in Malaysia. You know, just be like, two hot chicks spray a dude with water. That's funny. Yeah. Wearing uh, a lol shirt. Wearing a lol shirt. That's why she wore it, I guess. And then it turns out the fourth time it was the real stuff. And uh, and now they're in prison saying that they were just victims of a of a reality television show gone wrong. Um, but what would... What Threatening would, China and the islands, yeah. what the way Trump did, <laughs> doesn't help the situation. It makes the North Korean situation worse. So we're alienating China as well, and that's, we do need China for so many different things, especially to keep at least around North Korea. And we're slowly losing our interest around the world by, by offending people and doing the wrong thing. Right. So when Trump speaks and he gives these pep rally speeches and uh, just says you know, true, utter nonsense in, in so many ways – uh, the international community, how, I mean, obviously they always focus on what the president says, but how impactful are these, you know, now campaign rally speeches when it comes to the, uh, you know, global, uh, g- the geopolitical landscape? I mean, are people really um, hyper-focused right now on what Donald Trump is saying? And what are the real-life ramifications of his words that he just, you know, throws out and flippantly tweets at 3 o'clock in the morning? It matters. Anything that comes, you know, it's not a TV show anymore. And he's not campaigning anymore. So he needs to just, every word, look, Obama was really good. He was a great public speaker. Everything yeah. was calculated. He was very articulate. This idiot, like, I, I wonder what he would do if he was drunk. He just, he doesn't think, he do, he goes, he doesn't even use a prompter. He just doesn't have any write, writers that know what to write for him. And every word he uses matters because everything you do as a president of the biggest, most powerful country in the world, it, it matters. When You can't just drop a thing about Sweden like that. And now I think the right. world, and, and including the media, understands that, and they know we have content. we got to get them back. For the first time, a country tweeted back saying, can you explain yourself, please? What right. the hell did you just say? And for those, the, the teleprompter thing bothers me, by the way, because he reads off a piece of paper, so it is a teleprompter. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but a teleprompter is simply just a, a delivery system sure. for words, and right. he has another one in his hand. And so his, his, writers, his writers aren't that bright either. One of them one of them's oh, that God. Stephen Miller guy. Yes, absolutely not. So it that doesn't right. even matter what's on the prompter. He just he surrounded himself with a bunch of imbeciles. So for those that didn't hear, he he said uh, Sweden. Uh, they were they were having a and let's talk about refugees and immigrants here. Um, they they had massive terror attacks in Sweden because the immigrant population uh, is well, so out even, of hand. He wasn't even that specific about it. He's like, and yeah. this Sweden thing last night. Did you hear about this Sweden thing? Sweden, it's awful. Yeah, and, that's, and, it's not even that articulate. And, and, you know, this is bad. You're offending a whole country. Imagine if you're Sweden and this guy comes up and throws some bullshit about you that doesn't even exist. Yeah. So they did the right thing. As smart Scandinavians as they are, they're like, can you explain what, what you're talking about, please? We need to know. And that's great. This guy needs to be 
uh, he, we got to hold him accountable for every word, every comma, every period he doesn't use. Oh my goodness! So when it comes to immigration, obviously the the, the refugee problem—it's a problem that uh, our foreign policy created, or at least helped create, without a doubt. Uh, the Germans are dealing with it. Obviously, Brexit is a um, is in response to their refugee problem, I believe. I mean, we were over well, in that, London and we saw what I mean—they were living in—they're just basically homeless. Yeah. They also regret um, it too. That was a Trump thing they pulled too. Not enough what people was voted. Oh, Brexit. Brexit. Yeah, and people um, didn't think it was going to happen. Right. After well, it happened, the whole country was in shock. They're like, what kind of like what happened to us on November 8th? Well, yeah, Google searches for what is Brexit went through the roof, but mm-hmm. they should have done that the day before. Yeah. But, you know, that's so. And that's a lot all. of people that did it regretted it. They're like, I, I can't believe it's happened. Yeah. Was, it's it's like, just like now when, you know, you get well, people that are that are saying like, oh, man, I thought you were going to get rid of Obamacare, not the ACA. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Don't even. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. And, and, of course, we talked about on the last episode. The one good thing about Donald Trump is these conservatives can no longer look at a presidency that Hillary Clinton might have had and be like, Trump would have done dot, 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 whatever X, Y and Z they want to, you know, put on the guy. We get to see what he's actually doing, and it is very funny. A lot of these Trump supporters, they're calling themselves libertarian now. I've seen that uh, oh, change. Please. There is nothing libertarian about the, no. pres- the Trump presidency at I mean, all. Let's be honest. He's so gonna the Democrats a- really fucked up. Yeah. Oh, of course they did. You, you, you have a to perfect be a storm. complete moron to lose to this idiot. And, and they put Hillary as the weakest, weakest person they could have put up there. Obama and everyone behind her made a huge mistake. And yeah. the, and the Democrats still, but, are scrambling now to get their bench. They, they yeah. need to get a bench of people. I want to see 18 people up there. Honestly, yeah. this country is very angry and it's understandable. And Bernie and Trump actually almost say, said the same thing. They overlapped on a lot of different issues. Yep. Mm-hmm. The biggest difference was that guy point the finger at the 1%, you know, the Wall Street guys. And he said, that's the problem. We need to fix that. And this guy went the other way around. He blamed the Mexicans and the Muslims and mm-hmm. the minorities. Yeah, we, and he we played talked the about race that. issue. Yeah. And that's where we we fucked up really bad. Yeah. Division if, politics. And if you would have had Bernie, I think, if you would have had Bernie on the other side of Trump, I think there would have been enough overlap where we wouldn't be as divided as we are A lot are of now. people Possible. did not vote because Bernie, Bernie didn't continue. Yeah. Bernie would have won for sure. It was a, it, it was a perfect storm of events uh, that led to all of this. Yeah. I mean, there's n- there's no denying that. When it comes to the refugee crisis, what do you think our policy should actually be? Because I do think we have some moral responsibility to take in. Uh, once you shatter somebody's home, I think you do have some moral responsibility to deal with the ramifications of your actions. I equate it, but it's it's not easy. Uh, I equate it to foster care. We took in a lot of foster brothers and sisters, and many of them had extreme issues. It's never like peaceful. It's not Little House on the Prairie. It's people who have traumatic pasts who are going through an emotional uh, situation, uh, mostly in turmoil. Um, so it, it is difficult to deal with with refugees and this crisis. But what do you think we should do as a country to atone for our foreign policy? We have to, you know, take some of the uh, we have to take some responsibility, right? First, of all, having a moral obligations for sure. That's one of the things that we, it does come with the package. Second of all, these guys are good for our economy. Mm. Okay, they do a lot of work here. First of all, none of not not all of them come here and end up being Uber drivers, which is nothing wrong with it. We need them. I love but a lot of them Uber are driver, academics yeah. who are leaving a, 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 a tyrant country with a great job already lined up for them. They're very educated. They're, they work in the tech field, scientific field, whatever. Kind of like my dad. My dad was a chemist. My mom was a biologist. We didn't come here as uh, refugees, but right. we, we, we moved to the United States. But these people actually contribute a lot to our economy, and they're not the problem. 
And second of like the third thing is this country doesn't even take that many refugees. It's this is a big hype that Trump's created. We actually take a very low number considering who we are and that what size we have. Mm-hmm. If you compare that to Canada, to Sweden and the rest of Europe, very little people people make it to the United States. So we've never had an issue with refugees. And the ones that come here after extreme vetting, after 3-4 years of being on the list, we it works because our system's different. We don't do the European mosaic policy where they put them in certain areas and certain parts. Sure. These guys come into the country. We're like, go wherever you want to live, get whatever job you want to do, and you can become a billionaire. And they do. So they 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 come into a melting pot where they can actually go out and they blend into the society. Europeans yeah. don't do it that way. So our system's the greatest. We deal with the refugees in the best way possible after an extreme vetting, and we don't even take that many. Well, I mean, I think now we do see more enclaves of, of refugees. For example, Minnesota, Minneapolis has a huge Somali population. They seem to be fairly isolated in their own uh, they you know, choose. reality. They, they choose. do choose. Right. But now under President Trump, it almost seems like there's an emotional block for them to go out to the suburbs, for them to go and, and actually, like you were saying with the melting pot, um, actually assimilate into the culture. They do. Where in Europe, it's different. Like in but Europe- I don't think they – I think Trump is in, – in, it uh, it's inhibitive, uh, his, his – uh, he just hates everybody. Yeah, his language is... He hates is- Jews, he hates Muslims, or at least he's he's giving those people enough energy to make it seem that way. Uh, if you're not a white European, which a lot of his supporters actually believe uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. uh, what the United States should be, they don't, they're against you anyway. So... Um, what were you saying? <laughs> uh, just as far as uh, you know, Donald Trump, when it comes to actually people assimilating, uh, it seems more difficult now because of the rhetoric coming from the White House. Yeah, dude. And why would people? It. Why would people want to assimilate into a nation that calls them a rapists or murderers or terrorists? You're not wanted. Why? And, and yeah. I think that that is a massive, massive issue, um, regardless of policy, because we always talk about uh, what Obama did domestically wasn't uh, wonderful by any means. The times have changed so much. You could literally stand in the middle of the street right now and do a Hitler salute and say white power and people would turn around and walk away from you. Right. Would that be weird now if someone did it? Not really anymore, right? No, I mean, they, they're... If that they're happens... Extre- again, Milo was about to be the keynote speaker for CPAC and there is no denying there are white nationalist ties or to- that freak on YouTube that just got you know his, his uh, oh which one PewDiePie oh my god why do we have to know these names you know what I'm saying like, <laughs> no I know what you're saying like these guys are now like you know what I could just pull my dick out and show it to everyone and that you know it, it, they don't care anymore it's like it's become norm now because- of course he did have some massive ramifications PewDiePie mm-hmm. uh, his YouTube channel was taken down oh what a future someone had a what a uh, tra- traumatic experience timeline of photos of him how he like changed from being a zit faced teenager into like a hipster and all of a sudden he started to look like Hitler yeah. started <laughs> like, like well, the same know, haircut and same everything it was like you know it's interesting this, this movement it is uh it is a very well-dressed, buttoned-up movement now. You know, Hugo Boss dressed the Nazis. They always look good. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, obviously, we have, like, Spencer and those kinds of people. Um, yeah, but go to Oklahoma and look. If you put 20 people together, you barely find, like, three teeth. Well, yeah, but, I mean, who needs it? They have good mashed potatoes. <laughs> That's always perfect. Do you feel in your life the presence is, is uh, you know, maybe not so much in New York City, but do you just feel that now, white nationalism being, as Marcus has been saying these, this entire time, time normalized it is but i think it's also the last layer of uh extremism or racism that we have in this country 
finally they have they had an opportunity to expose themselves mm-hmm. and i think in the long run this is a great learning thing for us to know that it wasn't gone and from now on be very careful about it now they have a chance to come out i'm glad we can see who they are we should actually put the microphone in front of their mouth and let them talk more and more like the way bill maher did with milo we need to hear these guys more yeah they but that old exposed. bill maher thing was like i don't like muslims i don't like muslims yeah, and did, it was just he, like he didn't okay, nail him. yeah he didn't know I, I i'm with you on that but this is the hopefully the last layer of just anti-semitism anti right. You know, xenophobia, everything that that we still have, but it was boiling up to this point, and we just didn't really we turned a blind eye on it. But it it, it exists. You know, one of the interesting things that happens now we live in this, and we have to wrap it up at some point, I'm sure. But uh, with this uh, polar opposite vision of Islam, right, where it's either like it is a it is a religion, it's a political ideology of terrorism, and then the other one where it's like it's amazing and loving and and uh, the best thing that's ever happened to humanity. Any it religion. seems like we're losing the rational argue, the conversation that's rational. Will be like it can be used in horrible ways to um, disenfranchise, discriminate, and uh, and and create a, a, a religious caste system. In some ways, it can also be beneficial, like we were talking about with people who might be addicted to drugs and who have found their version of the Lord and might help them out. Well, it's as, just like also with Christianity, exactly. that, again, people can use it. For example, Ben, your parents using it as an example to take in foster children that was very good. Or it can be used to uh, put truck tires around the necks of gay yes. people in Uganda and burn them to death like uh, both of those things are inspired by christianity that does not mean that christianity should be outlawed that does not mean that christianity that we should keep christians out it just means that there needs to be more of a conversation that's the beauty of this country and that's why it's so weird to Hmm. even talk about it now because our first amendment was put together by a bunch of deists that we call now atheists <laughs> mm-hmm. and they understood how uh, religion could fuck things up down the future and they actually put together a wonderful constitution to put all this stuff aside you do what you got to do based on whatever religion you have or this and that last thing we ever expected was to talk about muslim bans and things like that we should never have a christian ban muslim ban buddhist ban no ban not in this country it's just very un-american and let's be fair not all uh, trump voters are white Nazi fascists. No, no, That's absolutely a, not. A lot of people are angry. They haven't yeah. seen, you know, the life uh, expenses are going up. Yep. Property, you can't buy a house anymore. You could maybe 40 years ago, not anymore. Mm-hmm. It Your college tuition is now a liability for, for you know, it's like, it's like, it's almost not, it's almost uh, not worth doing it anymore. It's not good. You know, how, how do you, with the what's the point? What's the point when you can't yeah. pay it back or get it? There's no job to, that's going to even so, get you close to paying it off. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's becoming a lot of people were angry. A lot of people were angry that would have probably, you know, um, unfortunately they voted for their own oppressor. They voted mm-hmm. for the wrong guy. So, uh, let, yeah, that, so that's the, uh, domestic there. And then as far as what is new happening in Iran, just really quick, just wrap up Iran for us. Just It's, <laughs> just, so, it's so easy. Give us a little bit of a rev around. What's, what's going on look, over Ira- there? Iran's not a threat to any country. First of all, they don't have a conventional uh, military. With the sanctions and everything, they've been good enough to create, you know, build their own missiles or whatever, their own uh Military, but it's not a military. They don't have an air force. They don't have a navy. Mm. They can't control the water. They can't control the air. So it's not a. It's not the scary guy that you hear about on TV. But do they have money? They have. They have money. But what can you do with that money if you can't buy things outside? Especially mm. to you know, they're they're good at really oppressing their own people. 
and the people are smart enough to fight it back and eventually if you give them enough time they'll come back and be a normal nation again as it, as it was before 1979 so iran's not a very scary country here even if they say death to israel and this and that it's not true you, israel could wipe any country off the map if they wanted to israel is mm. one of the toughest most powerful countries in the world and everyone's got their back so iran's not a threat they talk some shit sometimes but they're not suicidal uh, well benjamin netanyahu just ripped up the peace treaty or did, chose not to uh, sign the peace treaty that was created by john Kerry, mm-hmm. a failed secretary of state to say the least in my in my personal by the opinion. way that first uh sorry the uh one state solution thing that yeah. trump talked about it was the dumbest thing he could have said because one state solution means okay then uh, israel needs to include the palestinians within the same democratic system that they have Mm -hmm. so if you do that by adding millions of palestinians that are against the jewish state in your democracy they can actually vote against you so next thing you have maybe you have yasser arafat as your prime minister instead of uh, netanyahu which i don't mind but i'm just saying it's not exactly what the uh, what the jews want so or you create an apartheid state where it's it's a one-state country, but the Palestinians are excluded from military and voting and those mm. things. So that, that whole thing was so stupid. It's like, dude, do you even know what you're talking about? I'm okay with one solution, two so- or even just three solutions. Any mm. solution is fine for me. No. Yeah. I mean, is it just his total lack of understanding of the military? I mean, he didn't even know what the START treaty no, was. No, dude, he's watching Fox all day. <sighs> he's watching Fox and tweeting the Chirons. It's unbelievable. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, that's good. Yeah. That's good, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the best. It was the best. Tremendous. Uh, it was absolutely tremendous. It was bigly great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Simon, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, and you have guys. to come back sooner than you did last time. I uh, will. Now yeah, it's, been, have... it's been far too long. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, it, three days goes by and you can't even talk about what happened three days ago because so many other things add up on top of that. Oh, I know. I and mean, it really does. I mean, it is causing everyone to sort of lose focus on the larger issues, I think, in a lot of ways, because all these little issues, all of these little tweets yeah. are getting so much steam because Education, they're so ridiculous. health. Where is that conversation? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, Betsy DeVos oh. certainly spurred a lot of conversation in this country. Thoughts what on DeVos, nightmare. you don't like her. Okay. What a nightmare. Um, that that seems to be the going uh, I would have had the going sense. I would rather have John Wayne Gacy instead of DeVos. Really? John Wayne Gacy, huh? <laughs> he did love kids. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all, right. all right. And McMaster has officially been named. Okay. Uh, so he accepted. So, yeah, he accepted. Done. McMaster. Well, I guess He's, he's a, actually good. Um, well, it's good. I hope we, he has to get some rational people around. We talked about it on the last episode. His, uh, his bubble is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller as Trump slowly uh, purges anybody who has said anything bad against him in the history uh, of their lives. McMaster so, once... Uh, Wiped out a whole division of Iraqi tanks with like a platoon of tanks. He he wiped out like 120 tanks with only like seven tanks in 15 minutes. Oh really? <laughs> There's books on it. He's a beast. He's like he's, he, he, but he's also level-headed. He's not stupid. Okay. Um, awesome. You can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kissel. Is there anything you want to uh, promote? No, no. Thanks okay. for having me. Um, awesome guys. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. 
Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.